When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are your head counselors. I'm Erin, daughter of Athena. And I'm Manasa, daughter of Persephone. This week we're starting a brand new book and talking about chapters one through three of the Titans Curse. Woo! We're doing book three. I'm glad that we have it written in front of us. That's the Titans Curse because we had a little bit of a problem with that. Yeah. Remembering what the title was. <laughs> I'm still going to be like, the curse of the titan. <laughs> or it'll be something completely new by the end of the book. Like, Oh my god, we'll figure out a better name for it. Yeah. Actually, no, this is a great name for the book. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Rename all the Percy Jackson books, but like a weird version. Like, yeah. what's another word for a titan? The giant. Well, what if you thought about like something that is insignificant, but we hyperfixate on? <laughs> and rename all of it? And the first one would be like, Grover messes up a lot <laughs> this one's a percy jackson meets artemis spoiler i guess god <laughs> i'm so sorry spoiler <laughs> <laughs> honestly i think that was the single most important part of the book like everything else that happens after it and it happens in chapter two but like <laughs> everything else happens after is like pointless yeah artemis is great honestly mm-hmm. i was very surprised at how much happens in the first three chapters I, know. I was like, oh, wow. Like, I I knew this one started off in the middle of the action, but we just we just get right into it. I think it's because Rick was like, this is the third book. By the point, this point, we don't need to have him find some wayward child and befriend it yeah. and then not understand that it's somehow like a monster or whatever and then slowly destroy his school and then go. Yeah. But he saved that for the next book. Yeah. Well, maybe it's also he was like, you know, Grover's around this time. Grover's not with the, with the Cyclops, so Percy has his strange friend to take care of. He has his underdog friend, so he's good. He's good. He's good. He's got to take yeah. care of somebody. Yeah, um, exactly. Savior complex, I know. Yeah. Has to take a, a little bit off from blowing up a school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. We begin our story a little bit differently than our usual ones. Instead of having Percy having troubles in his own school, he's on his way to help some other kids at theirs. Ooh, wow. Percy's spreading the spreading the love, helping out all the other kids. Oh, spreading the chaos, to be yeah, honest. That's more yeah. accurate. Yep. Yeah. Alright, so my chapter, chapter one. My rescue operation goes very wrong. Alright folks, put on your winter parkas because in an exciting turn of events, this novel starts off on the Friday before winter break instead of like usually the Friday before summer break. I'm already going to interrupt and say like <laughs> until <laughs> until this afternoon, so like another spoiler, no one cares. The, <laughs> the, huntress, the huntresses wear ski parkas. Yes. That's like their uniform, right? Yeah, they do. So, um... I've always read them in my mind as ponchos. <laughs> and I was like, damn, they look stupid. That's so unfortunate. They're like the coolest people out there and they just like look 
really stupid and then I googled parka as I was writing like reading my chapter and I was like oh it's just like a jacket yeah yeah it's just a jacket yeah it is um but I really would like to see a reimagining of them in those like bright yellow clear ponchos (laughs) that they give you like at Disneyland on the wet rides (laughs) or like the ones that used to be really popular when we were in middle school like the knitted ones from limited two with the hoods Oh no, those were bad. Those didn't last uh, long. No, they. That didn't. was like a that I was like a one. very short. I think I had one too. It's a very yeah. short trend, along yeah. with the like, the the double sleeved shirt, like where it was like a short sleeve shirt and then a long sleeve shirt underneath for oh some reason. God. And it was built in. The and it was built, was built in. in. It wasn't yes. like two shirts. It was one shirt no. with weird <laughs> sleeves. To make it look like you had layered two shirts. So that's how we're going to imagine the Huntress's dressing. With those shirts. (laughs) And ponchos. Yeah. Silver ponchos. Silver. That makes it, okay, that's a little cooler. (laughs) Is it? I was thinking of like the aluminum ponchos that like emergency rescue puts on you. (laughs) Like a blanket. Like those, yeah, those blankets. (laughs) Emergency blankets. They'd be spotted so quickly. They'd be so bad at their job. That's so good. Wow, I'm so glad you shared that with me. Another yeah, instance okay. of Monica reading a word <laughs> incorrectly and just Her rolling with it. <laughs> and instead of questioning it, just rolling with it and being like, yes. Man, it's a weird world. I believe the weird words on my paper. What can I say? <laughs> You're like, these pontresses just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, on in in their winter parkas, Percy, we see Percy Annabeth Talia en route to Westover Hall to meet up with Grover, who recruited them for an emergency, but he didn't tell them what the emergency is, which I think is funny. Typical. Yeah, classic. Classic Grover. Um, So icon, powerhouse, woman of our dreams, Sally Jackson, drove them all there. And what does she get in thanks? A son that says, Mom, seriously, when she's, like, offering to, like, pick them up and stuff. And then he disappears and proceeds not to come home for weeks. So just a moment of silence for Sally Jackson. Mom's everywhere. I actually think this episode might come out right around Mother's Day. So, (laughs) you know, just be nice to your moms if if they're, like, not abusive and terrible. Anyway. (laughs) Thank you. So the three of them head on into this looming, spooky-looking military school. Inside, there's music echoing from the other end of the hall, and it is a middle school dance. They almost get caught immediately by some teachers, but then Talia does this thing where she snaps her fingers and manipulates the mist so that the security teachers people think that they can go into the school because they belong there. And Percy's pretty shook by this. Thanks to Talia's magic mist ability, they sneak into the school and then they immediately find Grover, who whisks them away toward the dance floor. Percy then asks Talia how she knew how to do that mist thing, and Talia says, Hasn't Chiron showed you how to do that? And thus begins this really strange competitive rivalry between Percy and Talia, who are our two potential children of the prophecy. Also, what a dick thing. Obviously, he doesn't know how to manipulate. Who showed her how to manipulate the mist? That's, I have a whole, I literally went on in my notes. I was just like, okay, where did she learn this? Like, did her tree friends teach her? She says, she implies that Chiron taught her by being like, didn't Chiron teach you this? But like, Chiron, did she ever, she was on her way to camp when she dies. But she's met him now. She's had like, what, like, 
four months, five months with him. But I'm like... Are they implying that he just, like, taught her after she woke up? Right? And also, like, are you bold of you to assume Chiron teaches anyone anything? (laughs) (laughs) He'd rather just chill in his little big house. Little big house. (laughs) He'd rather just hang out in there and, like, play Pinochle with Mr. D. I just don't know where... She learned how to do this. I'd like to, I I know, like, apparently it's Chiron, supposedly, but I'd like to believe it was the squirrels. And I would like a spinoff of Talia's tree experiences. Like, did she have tree thoughts? What was she doing? (laughs) I just, you know, and why doesn't, I mean, I think it's because she's intimidating, but I really think this is an opportunity for the other kids to take her down a peg from being, you know, like, daughter of Zeus and just be, like, sub-tree instead of... Yeah, yeah. I would 100% have done that. Yeah, you might have gotten, like, barbecued by lightning, but... (laughs) Whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) So, Grover informs the gang that that this emergency he called them for is that he found two half-bloods, a brother and sister. Um, There's unclear parentage, but it's strong. And I remember when I first read this, I was like, wait, how are they brother and sister? Are, like, do they have, did the same, like, god sleep with the same person twice? And that's, that's true. They are fully brother and sister. That's usually how it works. Yeah, I was, I, thank you. <laughs> I was just very confused. I was like, but the gods wouldn't come back to the same person twice. I'm like, that's, that says something about the gods there. <laughs> I it also I mean, tells you a lot about, you know, these guys' mom, too. Yeah. And I think Poseidon, if Sally Jackson had let him, Poseidon would have crawled back oh, to her. Oh, right? She was probably yeah. like, I don't need you here. I'm doing my own thing. I don't thing. want any more kids. I, I don't can't want... afford any more children. <laughs> She's probably like, I've been trying to give this child a bath, but he keeps <laughs> making the water fly. I don't want another. <laughs> like... <laughs> So Grover has detected that there's one monster around them so far, and he's like, we need to get these kids out of here, more monsters will come, blah, blah, blah. And the monster around them is Vice Principal Dr. Thorne, who is one of the teachers that stopped them on the way in. So they go on into the dance, and at the dance, Percy spots the two kids, Bianca and Nico D'Angelo. Despite Percy's want to just, if Percy's like, okay, there they are, let's go get them, get out of here, we're good to go. Talia warns him that they have to wait for the right time so they can get out without Dr. Thorne attacking, because they don't know what kind of monster he is or what his abilities are, and so Talia's like, we just gotta blend in, act natural, dance, which is Percy's worst nightmare. And then <laughs> Talia, you know, Percybeth shipper Talia just grabs Grover and is like, let's go, Grover, and leaves Percy and Annabeth alone to take some time to catch up. He asks her about school. She's been going to a boarding school in New York, and she's, like, really excited about school. But he notices that she gets a bit dodgy about the question when he asks if she's going to stay there next year. However, they're interrupted by Talia, again, Percibeship or Talia, who forces them to dance and is like, what are you guys doing just standing there? And Annabeth and Percy have a cute little exchange where Talia's like, dance, you guys, you look stupid standing there. And Annabeth says, well, and Percy says, um, who should I ask? Oh, God. And then Annabeth punches him and says, me, seaweed brain. So then they dance, which is very cute and adorable. Also, the idea that they look weird standing there at a middle school dance and not dancing is hilarious to me. Like, everyone is standing on opposite sides of the room, like boys and girls. Like, no one is dancing at a middle school dance. It's literally the essence of a middle school dance is that only a few kids are dancing in the middle and... 
Then there's, like, a few of the, like, quote-unquote popular kids, like, grinding in the corner and getting caught by the teachers, and then everyone else is just standing there awkwardly, bouncing their heads a little bit. (laughs) God, I don't miss it at all. I don't either. I really don't. I'm glad Percy gets to experience this, you know? (laughs) So while they're dancing, Annabeth tells Percy about how her dad was apparently offered a job all the way in San Francisco, so she might have to move. She also mentions that half-bloods can't possibly live in San Francisco and says, it's right there. And Percy's like, I don't know what she's referring to, but I don't want to look stupid, so he doesn't ask what she's talking about. Annabeth then says that there's something else that she hasn't told Percy, but again, they are interrupted. Nico and Bianca are suddenly gone. That's what you get for trying to blend in Talia and forcing them to dance. You lose track (laughs) of them. (laughs) So instead of following after Annabeth, to Annabeth is like, we gotta find Talia and Grover, work together, be smart. Um, Percy is not a smart cookie. And he decides that he wants to chase after Dr. Thorne by himself and find Nico and Bianca. He's, you, we could, as reading, he doesn't quite admit this to himself, but you can tell he's driven by a bit of jealousy about Talia and how she could so easily manipulate the mist, how powerful she is, how confident she is, and how Annabeth looks to Talia, like Talia has all the answers, like instead of, as they're dancing and they lose track of Nico and Bianca, instead of, I think Percy's used to Annabeth being like, let's go, the two of us, but now Annabeth is like, I respect this person also and listen to her and Percy the little jelly. So Percy finds the D'Angelo kids frozen in horror and staring up behind him in like a long in a room after he runs down the hallway. Naturally, Dr. Thorne is standing behind him, equipped with poisonous daggers. <laughs> so I do wanna again, at first I was like, am I really gonna go in hard on Grover again? And then I was like, no, you know what? I'm gonna pivot and blame Chiron. So Grover, you know, like he can ask anyone for help to like help mm-hmm. save he's he's sensed that these are two powerful demigods can't tell what parentage they are which like i feel like is always kind of a bad sign it's like clearly it's someone yeah. who it's not common and he asks children to help him but no shade on grover for this though because i'm pretty sure it's chiron it's the fact that chiron keeps no helpful adults around for the satyrs or kids to get help from there are zero helpful adults involved here so i'm kind of like that kind of sucks that grover's like I'm trying to do my job and I can't do it by myself, so I have to ask my children friends. Well, Grover is also a child, yeah. so that's extra problematic. Exactly. God, Chiron, where are the adults? Chiron's the war. They're all dead because he sends them unprepared into battle. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, it's good. I also really love how this sets up the Percy-Talia rivalry, and I actually, that's one of the elements I really like in this book. I really like watching their relationship, and I honestly, like, we'll get to it later, but my hot take is that I wish it could have gone on, like, I wish they could have had that, like, rivalry for longer. Oh, yeah. I, like, I I think it's, like, two sides of the same coin, right? Part Mm -hmm. of me is very happy that it ends the way it does, because it kind of shows the reader, again, the theme that we talked about last book, where like Percy keeps Percy and his friends keep winning because they don't do what everyone expects them to do or like what mm-hmm, Chronos mm-hmm. and Luke expect them to do they keep choosing like to be selfless and to not be the hero or not be the center of attention etc cetera, etc cetera. but also like I love like Talia would have been so cool to have like 
as a main character or just like mm-hmm. just being a badass in the corner so whatever i guess i just i like her as a threat to percy because percy has <laughs> been for so long like he is our like the most powerful demigod at camp half-blood even at 12 like as a child of the bigory yeah um, and so i like that there's someone who threatens that a bit Humble him a little. I mean, to be fair, though, Annabeth then constantly humbles him. Like, he's really powerful, (laughs) but he's an idiot, so. Mm -hmm. All right, chapter two, the vice principal gets a missile launcher. So I was just like, from the title itself, I was like, if I could bring a missile launcher to my middle school dances, I think I would have, it would have gone much better. Just like, letting you know. That's true. I wouldn't, that would have been great. Not to be destructive, but I feel like I'd be like, this is my missile launcher, and everyone would be like, oh, you're so cool. I don't think that it would have worked that way, actually. No, they probably would have been like, please leave the property. (laughs) (laughs) Immediately. I would have gotten arrested so fast. Okay, so Percy goes into full fight mode. He's trying to figure out not a, like, figure out a way to not only defend himself, but he also has to think about the D'Angelo kiddos. So he can't full-on attack dr thorne which i like went on a whole rant by the way and i realized after like this this is a theme for today afterwards that like okay so for example his name is dr thorne mm-hmm. does he have this does this this monster have this <laughs> does he have a phd i really hope so i realized after Wait. like he could have just been like i'm dr Th- like that's my name and like as a disguise but I love the idea that he's gone to, he's done his, like, he's defended his thesis in a room before and gotten his PhD. It's, like, the same thing with, like, Mrs. Dodds. Did she get married and then, like, have to go to school to become a teacher? Like, I, whatever, maybe they use the miss, but I like him. How invested are in there in their backstories? That's what I want to know. Maybe the reality is that they're all just actors, you know, like Luke. They're just trying to, like, play it. Like, Thorne's like, no, I need to get this PhD for the role. And whoever's, like... He's a method actor. Yeah. The Titans telling him what to do are like, are you sure this is expensive? And he's like, (laughs) I really... It's part of... I need to get into character. It's important to me. (laughs) It's important. I can't go through with this without being Dr. Thorne. You think anyone will listen to Mr. Thorne? (laughs) Well, because Percy in this chapter calls him Thorne until near, like, the end once in a while they'll be he'll be like oh dr thorn so i was like reading it and i was like doctor <laughs> what sir <laughs> sir what's anyway. this doctor it in <laughs> like, that's eating like, children <laughs> only a thing okay so percy decides i'm just like jumped into it so percy <laughs> is <laughs> so percy is trying to figure out how to get himself out of the situation but he also has two people who are very scared and unarmed and don't know what's going on that he has to defend so he's like i'm gonna use my empathy link to try and tell grover that we're getting led away from school and we're in danger and he's kind of confused on how the empathy links works because it's only been used before for Grover asking Percy for help. Mm-hmm. So Percy was like, does it even work if he's awake? Because for him, it was only working when he was having his dreams. So he's like sending signals out as hard as he can. But like, obviously he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Thorne is leading them through the woods to a cliff overlooking the sea. Like that's hundreds of feet below them. Thorne pushes them to the edge, and Bianca asks Percy what the hell Thorne was and how they could fight him. 
Nico, who's a baby, is super scared and is playing with a little metal soldier, like toy soldier in his hands. And they're like whispering to each other and Thorne yells at the kids for chatting and pulls out a cell phone. Declare, and he like calls someone on the other end and is like, the package is ready to deliver. Hmm. And Percy goes on a little bit of a monologue that I thought was really interesting where he was like, it's very unnerving to see a monster use modern technology. <laughs> And I thought that was so true because like this entire chapter is a little unnerving because it uses um, things that aren't part of Greek mythology mm-hmm. or even like inserted into me. And I'll get to it in a second. Oh, it's like, you know, who was th- who was funding? <laughs> right? We actually find that out in Trials of Apollo. So like, no spoilers here. But... Oh, shit. Okay. I don't think that Rick like really wrote it with that foresight. Though. Oh, 100% no. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> So Percy's kind of looking at the ocean. He's like, I could jump. Like, I'm sure it'll be fine. But also not super sure. Thorne calls him the city. He's like, oh, son of Poseidon. Yeah, jump. Go save yourself. And Percy considers it. And he's like, yeah, I would probably survive. But if I take the D'Angelo kids with me, it's like, I have to ask my dad. And my dad has to be like, yeah, your friends are cool. I'll save them. And there's a chance that he might not. So it's like a big risk to do that. Percy accuses Thorne for working for Luke. Thorne's like, my employer, blah, blah, blah. And Percy's like, I know your employer. His name is Luke. Which is like the stupidest name. (laughs) And I say that because uh, Thorne is like, no, you have no idea what what you're even talking about, I work for the general, which sounds so much cooler than Luke. <laughs> you look for that guy, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the general, which is ominous and scary. So cool. He proclaims that the great stirring is underway, and I just say, I love villains. God, inject them into my veins. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> I would laugh in his face if he was like, the great stirring has started. I'd be like, that's what you named it? Are you serious? <laughs> Stirring up what? Not a soup. <laughs> Lame ass. Yeah, I would have died so fast. It's fine. <laughs> Percy, who is like just chaos in a small boy's body, just like turns to Bianca and is like, "We have to jump, okay? We'll be fine." And Bianca's like, "Hell no! What's wrong with you? I'm not gonna jump." And they're having a little bit of an argument when suddenly. Annabeth, with her invis- invisibility cap, slam body slams all three of them to the ground. And I don't know if I mentioned this. It's It was in the um, chapter title, but I realized I never got an explanation. But Thorne has been carrying missile launchers this entire mm-hmm. time. Yes, yes. And he's pointed Classic. at Classic. Classic. So because Annabeth body slams the three of them, Thorne is really confused. So he launches his missiles and it actually goes over their heads. And that gives enough time to Talia and Grover to launch their attack from behind. Talia has a huge spear and a shield that Percy describes as just like truly frightening. And everything Talia does is very menacing. Her shield even makes Thorn kind of like wince and get a little nervous because it has like Medusa's face on it. And Talia and Thorn spar and it seems like Talia's about to win when she's like swiped by Thorn. And they don't really understand what how he swipes her. It's like <laughs> anyway, there's a there's like a lot going on. Sorry, in this scene, and it like feels <laughs> like I can tell like he's trying to make it as chaotic as possible. So there's the, uh-huh. a helicopter noise that's coming from behind them, and Percy like makes a mental note of it, but he's like, I don't have time to look for it, and he just like moves on. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And then Thorn reveals himself to be a manticore. 
which is a human face, the body of a lion with a leathery spiky tail with the deadly thorns, which is where his name came from, I'm guessing. Creative. I know. But he's edit. a doctor. This manticore yes. <laughs> defended his thesis as an, at a, a, a credit university in the country, I'm, so. That's incredible. Incredible. <laughs> also, again, it's that theme where the Greek monsters just sound like something a toddler made up. They're like, <laughs> it's a lion, but with like, with my dad's face and also thorns. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was gonna say, like, the Greeks, uh, like, ancient Greeks, like, did a, a line of coke and were just like, okay, what can we put together? <laughs> put this together. Oh, well, oh, that'd be sick, man. Which I like your yeah. version much better. It's much yeah, cuter. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Keeping it wholesome. <laughs> Nico is happily describing the attack power of the manticore and the saving throws, which is, like, very cute. I was like, my god, I, that's like, he would be a zoology kid. Like, he'd have all the facts. He oh, would be the author of the oh. Greek, the, the ancient Greek monster zoology book. I see it he, now. That's what he could have grown up to be if the trauma didn't happen. <laughs> he you had know? no hope. Hades would have been like, this is a stupid career and like made him go into something else. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Prefer necromancy. <laughs> That's a real career, Nico. God. <laughs> Bianca is slowly losing her mind. She's like, what is that? Like, Nico is like, accepting everything that's happening around him as just, like, something really cool. And Bianca is, like, melting into the ground, understandably. Mm-hmm. Annabeth knocks the D'Angelos to the ground again, just as the spiky tail is about to swat them. Percy and Talia begin sparring the beast, but suddenly the helicopter, remember the helicopter? It appears from the mist, and it's a military-style helicopter with guys on it. They all have guns, and obviously it's not going to go well. Percy and Mm -hmm. Talia are knocked aside, and they're quite badly injured, and they're quickly realizing that they're very outmatched. Suddenly, there's a sound of hunting horns blowing through the woods. A glowing silver arrow embeds itself into Thorn's shoulder, and then arrows start flying with insane accuracy. Like, Percy's like, oh my god, even the Apollo kids couldn't do this. Like, Percy, the Apollo kids are, like, 15. Like, you're, you're, his level of, like, his bar is just way too low, I think. Yeah. Anyway, You're like, on. these are immortal people. <laughs> and he's like, whoa. Wow. So then the archers show themselves. They're all girls, ages 10 to 14, wearing ski parkas and jeans. Annabeth calls them the hunters, and she's like, oh my god, the hunters are here. And Talia's like, great, those guys. She's clearly unhappy. Just Talia's like, like, I'm not like those girls. <laughs> I'm different. I'm cool. I'm edgy. You and I will have to have this debate, and I think it's very unfortunate the way that it played out, but I 100% think Zoe and Talia should, like, they were like they were a couple in my brain when I was like reading this. I book. could I was see like, that. Ooh, enemies to lovers. Anyway, ooh, ooh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I could see that. That's. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. I also love that Percy is um, the narrator because Rick has to explain and describe things through Percy's eyes, right? So Percy will be like, for example, back when they were talking about Medusa, they were like, I think she was Middle Eastern. Because she wore, like, you know, a burqa. But he can't mm-hmm. say that. He's like, I think she was Middle Eastern on account that she had, like, a drapey thingy over her facey thingy. And I'm like, stop. And, like, Percy. in this book, he's like, I think he was French because he pronounced his J's weirdly. Like, how you would say, like, 
you know, jacuse and stuff like that. And I was like, Percy. So, example, when he's describing Zoe, he calls her coppery color skinny, like skin, and is tall. And he's like, has a silver circlet braided into the top of her long, dark hair. It gets very, like, a 14-year-old boy's describing it to me. And I'm like, no, give me yeah. more detail. Like, what was she wearing? What lipstick? I want to know. Like, you know, was the wind, you know, whatever. I feel like I've always struggled. He didn't describe Zoe. I've always struggled to picture Zoe in my mind. Yeah, me too. Also, like, I can picture Bianca because I just picture a girl, Nico. Because I feel like Nico's well-established enough that I can picture him. Yeah, that's but, true. But yeah. Mm-hmm. I always imagine them to be just, like, very pale. As yes. Always, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, to describe Zoe... She has copper color skin, is tall, and has a silver circlet braided in the top of her long, dark hair. She has her arrow pointed, like, her, what is it? Knocked? Her arrow knocked? knocked. Yeah. 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 And she's pointed it at Thorn, and she asks permission to kill from someone in, in her squad. And... Thorne is like, you, that's not fair. You don't get to do this. You have no, he's essentially, you have no jurisdiction here. And this uh, 12-year-old girl who's standing next to Zoe, um, is, she's described having auburn hair and strange silvery yellow eyes. And she's so beautiful that Percy forgets to breathe. Um, she's like, well, you're a monster and I am allowed to hunt any monsters, so you have my permission to kill him. Thorn won't go down gracefully, so he tries to lunge at Talia and Percy, knowing that they're the most injured. Annabeth jumps to protect them. Oh, I think. Queen. Uh, she leaps on the monster's back and stabs him with her knife. I'm like, my girl. Incredible. But Zoe has the archer's fire, and Percy screams at them to stop, but it's too late. The arrows pierce the monster's the monster really well and the monster along with Annabeth leap off the edge of the cliff Percy tries to run after her but the enemies in the helicopter start opening fire with guns and bullets are spraying everywhere the hunters the hunters scatter but the ringleader calmly looks up to the helicopter and says mortals are not allowed to witness my hunt makes like a gesture with her hand and the helicopter explodes into a flock of ravens which is so badass like Ares could never like what energy I love it That's, so much like she doesn't she's eerily calm she just looks at the helicopter and it's like Nasan and just that's incredible that's the energy I want to bring right? to my daily life Ares oh. just like looks like a skinhead and just harasses <laughs> children that's, like, yeah. that's his vibe exactly yeah. <laughs> Talia calls out to Zoe she's like oh Zoe Nightshade I hate you, essentially, but, like, veiled very thinly. <laughs> and Zoe scans the group and reports back to her ringleader, saying, you know, they're mostly Chiron's campers, and half they're all half-bloods. Percy's freaking out about Annabeth. He's trying to, he's injured, so he keeps trying to get up, and um, he's like, we have to save her. And Zoe, being, like, a very helpful, very emotionally stable person, is just like, she's beyond help. She's like, who says that? <laughs> Someone very jaded. <laughs> I know. Percy obviously doesn't care and just tries to hurl himself off the cliff, Aww. but the girls hold him down. 
He's like, who the hell do you think you are stopping me from throwing myself off this cliff? God. And Zoe gets really mad. She's like, you can't talk to, you know, our ringleader this way. But the ringleader's like, it's okay. He didn't mean it in a bad way. And she steps forward and is like, I'm Artemis, goddess of the hunt. I guess, no, that's a wrong noise. Your noise was better. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. A heavens opening up kind of noise. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I ranted about Talia having more knowledge than Percy again with the whole, like, <laughs> she's like, how does she know? I, may, I don't remember. Maybe it comes up later. How does she know who Zoe Nightshade is? How does she know who that is? Is it, like, all the girls know. know that, like, you have this option of the Huntresses? Maybe. Maybe it's, like, oh, you know, the when they hunters. when they have a Camp Half-Blood sex ed, which, like, you know, probably <laughs> doesn't exist. They separate yeah. the girls into a room and they're like, so ladies, you have another choice. <laughs> I keep calling them the huntresses, which is just like, you know, the patriarchy speaking through me. They're just mm, called the hunters. Yeah. I think so, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Also, M- M- Annabeth is like the real MVP. Like, R.I.P. Right? Her. Yeah. She did so well. Yeah. yeah, I also just ranted about the Manticore getting its PhD. I just love that idea. I love that for I Dr. Thorne. Yes. I want to know what he, what he studied. I hope it's child psychology. I hope he failed. Ooh. Yeah, he would have failed. (laughs) (laughs) Thesis is like, all children are evil. And they're like, no. (laughs) No, sir, you can't do that. All right, are we ready to go into my chapter? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Chapter three. Bianca D'Angelo makes a choice. So, this chapter starts with Grover being super stoked about Artemis. He's basically an Artemis fanboy. He momentarily forgets about Annabeth getting captured by Dr. Thorne and is just like, oh my god, Artemis. Bianca, naturally, is confused about who the heck all these people are. Um, Zoe tells Bianca that she and Nico are half-bloods and that one of their parents was an Olympian god. And Bianca's like, like an Olympic athlete? They're like, no, a god. Aww. And sweet, precious baby Nico immediately accepts this and immediately begins rattling off questions about the gods, like, based on his little game that he plays. And he's like, is Zeus really like this? Like, uh. Whereas Bianca takes a lot longer to convince. I mean, she's older and doesn't play this cute little game that Nico plays. Um, But unfortunately, they don't have much time for convincing. Annabeth is in danger and the kids need to get to camp before any other monsters find them. Artemis tells Percy that she senses some magic is at work that's concealing Annabeth's whereabouts from her godly knowledge because she can't sense where Annabeth is. Percy mentions Camp Half-Blood to Nico, who is immediately on board with going, but Zoe can see that Bianca is hesitating, that she's still not really, like, buying that all of this is even real, and immediately jumps on this, saying there's another option to Bianca, and asks to speak with privately with Bianca, and then Grover takes Nico to the side to show him his mytho-magic cards. Whew, I'm just like, I, Nico in this chapter makes me, like, so happy and so sad at the same time. I know. So while the others are out of earshot, Talia rants about the hunters for a bit in their nerves. She clearly hates them. It's somehow she learned about them. I guess she did a lot of research at camp. Clearly, maybe it's just that Percy doesn't ever read anything. <laughs> that, that is very plausible. Yeah, and he doesn't ever try to be, like, informed about the camp, like, the Greek myths that exist. He's always just like, that one's real, and Annabeth's like, yes. And he's like, oh, oh interesting. <laughs> cool. Cool. 
he has a walking encyclopedia as a best friend. I'm sure that's that true. He doesn't feel like he needs to read anything. No, yeah. he's like, I'll never read again. <laughs> like, <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, and then Talia turns her anger on to Percy for trying to attack Dr. Thorne all by himself and blames Percy's recklessness for Annabeth getting captured. And this hurts Percy pretty hard because he, and he doesn't have a comeback because it's true. So he just stares at Annabeth's abandoned Yankees cap in the snow at his feet. The hunters all set up camp while they wait for their ride back to Camp Half-Blood. I'm like, why didn't they just call Sally Jackson to pick them up? She was probably waiting the whole time. <laughs> I'm just imagining, oh, I mean, I thought it'd be hilarious if Sally comes in her little minivan to pick them up and Artemis, like, is like, I call Shaka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she's like, all right, Sally's like, all right, I've, I've dealt with gods before. We can hang. <laughs> Nico then starts to show Percy his figurine collection and playing cards and asks him a ton of questions about the gods. And Percy's distracted because he's worried about Annabeth. But I was reading this and I was like, am I actually like close to tearing up right now at how freaking cute Nico is? Um, yes, I Especially am. Especially we know the information, like how much he loved Percy. Yeah. He immediately was like hero worshipping Percy. Yeah. And then he was like, oh. The other thing. Percy has no idea. It's, oh. The other thing, I'm like, I, so I've read this book twice before. I read it, like, the first time, and then I reread it, like, a year ago. But honestly, when I reread it a year ago, it was, like, it felt like the first time again, because I hadn't read it in so long. This is probably the one I've read the least. So mm. this feels like the real time I'm rereading it, and I'm, like, with the foresight. I also hadn't read Heroes of Olympus, so, like, now I'm reading it with the foresight of Heroes of Olympus and Trials of Apollo, and I'm just like, Nico, oh my gosh. Poor, poor baby. sweet baby Nico. I just want to protect him. When I first read this, I didn't really care for Nico when I was a kid. I was like, mm, okay, oh, okay. Goth child, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm emotional. Well, eventually Zoe Nightshade shows up and whisks Percy away from Nico and his adorable questions as Artemis wis wishes to speak with Percy personally. Artemis asks Percy to explain to her what happened with the monster and what exactly the monster said about the general the downfall of olympus you know the like great stirring and artemis looks very troubled and vows to find this creature and bring it back to olympus for winter solstice so she can show the other gods just how serious of a threat there is out there artemis then asks the hunters to go stay at camp half-blood while she hunts the monster on her own and they're all really mad about this they all apparently hate camp half-blood and they also don't want her to go out on her own zoe seems worried about her even though she's a god so clearly there's like a threat there's big threat and then artemis is just like no i'm going on my own you'll deal you have a camp cabin at camp half-blood just go and then she turns to bianca and asks have you made up your mind my girl so it turns out going to Camp Half-Blood isn't the only path, life path for a demigod if you're a girl. Girls can become hunters and thereby immortal unless they fall in battle. Or unless they break their oath to Artemis, they're supposed to swear off romantic love forever. So if they, it's not just no boys, no get out free card for the women loving women. Percy points out that this is a crazy decision for Bianca to make and that Bianca should think about her brother, you know, sweet, innocent, card loving Nico. But Bianca gets really dreamy eyed actually when Percy brings this up and is like, no responsibilities, like a new family. I don't have to look after my brother. <sighs> And thus Bianca pledges herself to the Hunters of Artemis right then and there. And the chapter ends just after that with Artemis summoning a ride from her brother Apollo to take the kids and hunters to camp along in the, in the sun chariot as the sun comes up while she seeks the mysterious general. 
This is a Bianca hate podcast. <laughs> okay. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I I get that it's it's hard to have a responsibility and to feel like you have to watch yourself. I just like. I don't know. I feel like if you really are, like, I get it. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> sorry. I'm so mad about oh. this. I'm trying to be sympathetic, but you, you're an older sibling. Yes. I feel like maybe you have a better understanding. I so of this. I was thinking about this and like you know ranting to myself as I took notes, and I was like, you know, like I feel like my I I I am very critical of Bianca, but I was thinking about it, and I was like, this situation, like, I'm honestly, like, really, I feel more angry at the Hunters. So, like, I was thinking, like, on one hand, I get the eldest daughter responsibility thing. Like, I'm sympathetic. I'm an eldest daughter. But the fact that she straight up abandons him so easily makes me super upset, because it's not like Nico is, like, a fully functioning adult, nor is he a terrible, like, demonic, evil little brother. He's just adorable and sweet, and at camp, like, yeah, other people can look after him too, but they've lost all their family, and Bianca choosing to get a family doesn't necessarily mean that Nico gets one. She doesn't know if he'll fit in at camp, and, like, he doesn't. So, and it's also, I find it easier to be harder on Bianca too with the foresight about Nico, because I'm like, stop it. (laughs) Like, stop. Your little brother (laughs) just wants a little family. It's fine. Um, But my other hot take with this is that I really don't like the hunters in this series. I like them better how they appear in Heroes of Olympus and Trials of Apollo, but I don't like them in here, which maybe people won't like me, but I'm like, this feels so manipulative because Bianca doesn't even get a chance to weigh her options. She's just been told that like, you know, gods are real and she is a child of one and they just jump on that. Um, They also give off like man-hating feminist vibes, like turf vibes a little bit. I don't know. Mm. I don't know how inclusive, What are, if they're inclusive, I don't know. Um, I adore the aesthetic of the Hunters, but I just don't like the way that they're written in this book. I don't like they recru- that they recruit young girls that, like, haven't even had a chance to explore their sexuality yet, also, and say, like, you can't ever have, like, romantic or sexual relationships, because the Hunters also, the root of it is, like, maidenhood, which in, is what they called in this book, but I'm like, it's virginity, um, which is a social construct, but, you know, and, but... There And not that you have to, like, have certain experiences to know, like, the whole, like, how people are always like, oh, well, how do you know you're ace if you, like, haven't had experiences? And it's like, no, someone can know. Or, like, how how do you know you're bi or gay if you haven't been with the same sex yet? No, you know. Like, that's not... But, but the reality is that a lot of those girls are 10. And they probably never... They don't know it. They don't know yet if they're attracted to anyone. They might. Also, it feels... Kind of like you, you can even take the whole sex thing out of it and just like romantic love as a concept. Yeah, like just to be loved in a romantic way is not allowed. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, That's so sad. Like this ten-year-old has decided that she will never experience love. Like she's like at ten to decide that is crazy to me. Yeah, and I'm like maybe there is like maybe there are ten-year-olds in the in the hunters that joined and like knew they were like asexual or aromantic and were just like yeah this is great for me but it feels the way that this is with bianca it feels like a lot of the girls they show up for are girls who like they they're giving them a choice but it's not much of a choice you know like they're they're jumping on the fact that bianca is has been having to look after her little brother by herself for so long and like 
do you know what this feels what? like? And this is like, again, we're getting, I'm going to get a little bit political. Ooh. It kind of feels like when you have like military recruiters uh-huh. show up at low income oh. places or target people who don't have an option yeah. of going to college. That's kind of what it feels like because they targeted her the moment she found out. And she's someone who has had a lot of responsibility on her shoulders and has, like, just gone through a very traumatic experience just now. Yeah. And they're like, make a binding decision right this moment. It's interesting because I think that the fandom really loves the Hunters. And I've always been like, but they, like, this sucks right here. Like, this is not... Yeah. Like, they should have given her a few days to decide, at least. Like, and then if she still went with it, it's fine. And there is, like... I think they get better. I mean, I do like that it seems like Rick kind of adjusts the way that they're portrayed to be more likable throughout the series. I won't spoil it, but there's a character in Trials of Apollo who joins the hunt, and it's very, like, it's a very long time coming situation where it's a character that, like, had a chance to figure out if they wanted a romantic relationship or not, and had a chance to figure out, like, what kind of things they wanted to be involved with and then they go ahead and join and that i'm like yes that's super empowering they made that decision of their own volition no one pressured them but here i'm like this is so pressuring i don't mm, i'm not a fan of it Maybe, like, no shade to Zoe Nightshade, <laughs> but maybe recruitment changes when, t- <clears throat> someone else <laughs> when someone else is in charge. Honestly, that could very much be it, because it feels really like, like they're just, like, showing up to someone who's in a difficult situation. And I mean, I, this is a spoiler for this specific book, so I guess if you haven't read it before... I don't know, forward like 30 seconds or a minute. But also like we know that Annabeth was also offered the chance to join the Hunters. And this chance was offered to her when she was dealing with the decision about her dad moving and whether she wanted to go. And she felt like she like she she's feeling like she has to make a really hard decision. Um, So again, manipulative. Not cool. Not a fan. Not a fan. That's my hot take. And I know the fandom loves the Hunters, but I'm like. They seem kind of problematic here. Exactly. They're manipulative. And I'm all for, like, a powerful girl gang. But, you know, not when they manipulate young children. Also, Nico. I just feel so bad for (laughs) you. I'm, like, so sad. So Nico. I feel so... I'm, like, how... Why did Rick do him so dirty? I'm like, Nico is so pure. He gets just, like, thrown in the garbage chute all the time. I'm like, poor little baby. I think it's simply for, in order to embody the emo and goth look, he needs to be emo and goth. Like, it has to happen, yeah. Yeah. And Nico is just, like, such a, like, reading this, I was like, oh my god, he's a completely different character right here, and I'm, I'm mad about it. I'm angry. I hope he gets back. I hope as he gets older, maybe he gets a chance to recover from the trauma of his life. And, like, maybe he can get in touch with his little baby self again. Maybe he'll get back into mytho magic one day. So like, God, I hope, I hope so. so. I think he still, it, like, it implies that he still has a couple of cards and stuff. Good. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Never get rid of them, Nico. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, that's all my thoughts. That's my hot take on the Hunters. I don't <laughs> like them here. I'll, I like them later on, um, but I don't like them here. And, huh, I wouldn't join. Well, are you ready for some lightning bolt questions? Yes, I am. Okay. 
What's your super villain name? Now, I'm not asking, like, oh. to come up with a name on the spot, but would you want something that was, like, like a title, like, the general? Or would you want it to be, like, an action word, do you think? Oh. Or I think I would want mine to be, like, a title. Like I that. think me too. I think that would be cool. Like, the chosen one. You know what I mean? Like, something like yeah. that. Or a title could be cool too. I would want something like fun, like you know. If but I'm if I'm evil, I guess it has to be like evil. Well, I think um, it'd be really cool to be in a group, and they'd be like, you know, the general and you know the <laughs> king and Steve. You know, it'd be really fun. Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that would be so fun to be like. Oh, we should give ourselves evil villain names. Like, but I don't know. This is like a big question to think about. Did you think of one for yourself? I didn't. I think I have to marinate on it a little bit. Because the general is really good, but I have no military experience. That's so good. Same. Maybe we can, like, come back next week and have, um... Military experience? No, no. (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you. What are your plans? We can have villain names. Okay, I'll think of some. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's, like, a generator so. online. It's going to be Oh, yeah, that would be good. Because yeah. I feel like if I make up one on my own, like, my initial response is, like, I want princess in the title. <laughs> and then it's, like, that's going to be stupid. Like, what would I be? Like, the evil print? No, that's stupid. It's stupid. Would you have evil in your title? Or would no, I wouldn't. Implied? That's a giveaway. It would need to be implied. <laughs> What's a word for, like, badass? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Would you have the? Would you have an article? Yeah. I think I'd have an article. Hmm. A, a, a villain. (laughs) The, a villain. A villain. Just one of many. (laughs) I'm a general. (laughs) Instead of the general. (laughs) It's not as scary. Yeah. Alright, so you're forced to be a huntress. At what age would you want to be frozen forever? Does it have to be, like, between 10 and 14? No. Oh, it can be whenever? Whenever. I think it would be fun. Okay, well, I'm like, I want to say 25, but I'm not 25 yet. (laughs) I'll be 25 in August. But I'm like, because then you can rent a car, you can drink, you can vote, you can do everything. And you're still young, you know? And you're still on your parents' insurance. (laughs) (laughs) Still on your parents' insurance. You're still young, you know. Still, it's, I don't know. That's that's what I want to say. But I also don't think that she would take me because I think I'd be too old. <laughs> so it'd be kind of weird to be running around with this immortal twelve-year-old because she yeah, loves be to be weird. twelve for some reason. Yeah, like if I, I had to, to talk pick... to Artemis about that. Yeah, right. Yeah. If I had to pick between ten and fourteen, I feel like I'd go with ten. Like I'm like pre. Pre all the puberty things, just oh yeah, uh, that was like early puberty, but that was before you know the full swing of it. So yeah, yeah. what age would you pick? I was gonna say like either twenty five or like twenty seven. I think mm. just like still in my twenties, but later twenties. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. cause then I've got a fully developed brain. I think about Ooh, yeah. that a lot with the hundreds. <laughs> I'm like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, 
yeah, I think it'd be kind of nice to continue to be able to wear fashion trends that I want and not look like an old person. Not that it matters, but I'll also, like, mm. be able to drink and not get hangovers in the same intensity yeah. as, like, a 30-year-old or older would Well, get. if you're a bit mortal, I don't think you'd get a hangover if you're a mortal. I don't know. Right? I don't know how it I works. don't know. I don't know I any immortal just people to ask. Aging. I know, it's unfortunate. We need to expand our friend group for sure. We really do. We need to recruit an immortal. <laughs> what age does the brain stop aging? Uh, I think it's 20... 20-something, 20 23. I feel like it's, like, 25, because I feel like in my mind I was, like... Well, anytime I feel like I'm doing something stupid, I'm like, well, I guess my brain isn't fully Oh, it is yet, 25. So okay, so I'm like, I your brain's done. You're cooked. You're fully cooked. <laughs> I have a few more months left <laughs> until my brain. So I can still play out. Oh, like, anytime I, I do something, I'm like, well, it's because my brain isn't developed. <laughs> so you're basically telling you this is as good as it's going to get. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> you're, you're good. You're good to go. <laughs> Okay, last question. <laughs> You're a monster in the specific world. What random PhD would you get? Ooh. Think about what your job I mean, entails I... of being a monster, and then what PhD uh-huh. would you get? Hmm. So my job would be, like, a tracking down children. So I do like the child psychology one. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. What else would be... Uh... Maybe I'd, like, join ROTC for some military experience, you know? <laughs> so I could fight good. I mean, you're already, like, some what... weird, like, coked-up-looking mm. creature, yeah. so I'm sure you can fight fine. See, the problem is, they always they always beat the monsters by outsmarting them, so I'm like, maybe child psychology isn't, or, like, logic, but I don't think many universities offer that as a degree, and if they do, like, why? <laughs> the LSATs why? are just a test of logic, so I'd as well yeah, true. Yeah. be a lawyer. <laughs> can you imagine? Maybe I... <laughs> <laughs> You're suing Percy Jackson. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm suing you. You can't beat this one, Percy. <laughs> I, and this is a very hot take, I would get a PhD in Greek mythology. Oh! Because it oh, that feels would be good. like all of these dumb monsters get beaten the same way they were beaten in the past. So maybe they need to just refresh on how they're be like Medusa. Like being like, she, I would just like not allow reflective anything into the room before yeah. I attacked anybody. <laughs> like why did she have those glass balls in her garden yeah this is so she put silly. them there yeah and you know who else but it seems like a lot of people get like defeated the same way even like um oh. sorry i can't think i've forgotten everything that thing that's happened in a percy jackson book that's, right now that's okay yeah uh, polyphemus too Poly he gets Themis. still stabbed in the eye and nobody <laughs> Like, I think some, a PhD would have helped Polyphemus. It really would have. Or, like, a, um, yeah, a history degree. That would be good, too. Yeah. Like, a classic Honestly, if classic they just literature. Read the Odyssey, I think that would have helped. Yeah. yeah. Do the villains, though, if the villain is cute, if the monster is killed, mm-hmm. do they, like, get a fresh slate when they reform? Do they still have their memories? They or, do. Like... Because, like, okay. there was, like, uh, I don't remember what. So the PhD wasn't for nothing. <laughs> no. <laughs> Can you imagine? You went to like 15 years of school and then jumps off a cliff. And then Percy Jackson just stabs you. <laughs> so sad. 
But because I think one monster is like, no, how did he do this again? And I'm like, you're so dumb. <laughs> I wonder why. It's because you don't read. It's because you didn't go to an academic school. Yeah, clearly they got scholarships for this. <laughs> Kronos is handing out money left and right for his... He's, he's funding his employees to get their degrees. <laughs> it's a great incentive for the demigods to it join. Is. What is Chiron it offering? Is. Yeah, what the, not death? <laughs> death by age 16? And Guaranteed. Chaos. But there's friendship too, so. <laughs> it's like That's PhD in Greek mythology or a PhD in friendship. In friendship? You get beads. <laughs> You get beads every year. That's what you get. And a free t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just one. They Just probably one. have to wash it every day. <laughs> and if you grow, it has to become a crop top at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's oh, good. Well, those are all my questions for you. Amazing. Amazing. Well, in next episode, we are going to do chapters four through six, which means we are going to camp but without Annabeth. Oh. My heart breaks. What is camp without Annabeth? Useless. Exactly. <laughs> no one's read a Percy, single book. Percy will have to actually read. I know. Alright, if you want to keep updated, follow us on social media. We're on literally everything at Camp Half Pod. And you can also email us, camphalfpod at gmail.com, with any longer inquiries, questions, stories, concerns. <laughs> concerns for our well being. <laughs> Mm. it's okay it's too late for me my brain is fully cooked that's true you can't do anything else if you have any concerns for monica just table it you got a few months left for me go 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 and if you enjoy us please rate and review and give us five stars and all the happy little emojis in your review all right thank you bye-bye